Last episode, I asked, as baptized Christians, why are we called to be so many things? Since Jesus Christ is anointed as priest, prophet, and king, and since by virtue of our baptism we are incorporated into Christ, we are also called to participate in Jesus' triple offices of priest, prophet, and king. With that, I also unpacked what it means to participate as priests in our lives by answering the call of Jesus to his disciples to be salt of the earth. Why salt? So that we may season the world as the Catechism of the Catholic Church or CCC, paragraph number 901 puts it, the laity consecrate the world itself to God everywhere, offering worship by the holiness of their lives. To better understand the connection between the call to be salt of the earth with the covenant of salt and the priesthood, please feel free to check out episode number 10, So Many Calls, So Little Time, especially the show notes on the Setting Apart podcast website. Besides the priestly office, there is also a prophetic and a kingly one. In this episode, I continue to unpack the prophetic office of our calling. Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I'm your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. In our union with Christ through baptism, we become prophetic witnesses to God's loving plan of salvation. A prophet is one who speaks on God's behalf. He or she witnesses to God, calls people to conversion, may even foretell the future or just foretell the truth. In the Old and New Testaments, Prophets call people to a different way of life. It is a way of life determined by God's revelation and authority, not our own man-made self-definition. A person is a prophet in the measure that he or she bears the truth of God. Now, there's a lot that can be said about what it means for a laity to be a prophet, but I will limit my scope to three areas. 1. Truth and authority. 2. Calling and mission. 3. Call to be faithful. First, we begin with truth and authority. What is truth? This is the very question Pontius Pilate asked when Jesus admitted his kingship. And I quote, For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. And you can find that from John chapter 18, verse 37. And elsewhere, in his last supper discourse, 
Jesus told his disciples, and I quote, I am the way, the truth, and the life, unquote. You can find that from John chapter 14, verse 6. So Jesus is not only the word of God, he is the truth and the life, which will lead us to the kingdom of God. To get to know the truth, we need to know the word of God. To receive the fullness of truth, we need to follow the authority that he gave to Peter when Jesus established his church. Now, don't take my word for it. Let's take a look at some scripture passages in the CCC and see what they've got to say about this. If you have the Bible with you, I invite you to read along with me. Alternatively, do check out the show notes for this episode on the Setting Apart podcast website at www.settingapart.com and setting apart is one word, where I post all the Bible verses and references used on this episode. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 to 19, Jesus gives the authority to Simon Peter, and I quote, And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now at that moment, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, which means rock, and gave the authority to Peter by making Peter the steward of the house of God, which is the church. On the keys to the kingdom, this is what the Catechism of the Catholic Church, or the CCC, paragraph 553, has to say. And I quote, Jesus entrusted a specific authority to Peter. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The power of the keys designates authority to govern the house of God, which is the church. Jesus, the good shepherd, confirmed this mandate after his resurrection. Feed my sheep. You can find that in John 21, verses 15 to 17. And I continue. The power to bind and lose connotes the authority to absorb sins, to pronounce doctrinal judgments, and to make disciplinary decisions in the church. Jesus entrusted this authority to the church through the ministry of the apostles, and in particular, through the ministry of Peter, the only one to whom he specifically entrusted the keys of the kingdom. It is important to note that while Jesus also entrusted the authority to bind and lose to the church through the ministry of the apostles, we can see this in Matthew 18, verse 18. But Jesus specifically entrusted the keys of the kingdom to Simon Peter in Matthew 16, verse 19, before his resurrection. And in John 21, verse 15 to 17, after his resurrection. 
This authority entrusted to Simon Peter is likened to the stewards of the ancient kingdoms in Israel. The modern-day equivalent is that of the prime minister of a country, and the ministry of Peter has been passed down in apostolic successions to Pope Francis today. I will provide a couple of examples from Scripture. First, Jesus teaches his disciples the authority of the church for brothers within the Christian community. The passage I'm looking at is Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. And I quote, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Unquote. Let us pause and unpack that. If your brother sins against you, the first opportunity is given to a private correction between you and him alone. If this is unsuccessful, then further correction is sought before two or three witnesses. If this fails, the matter is to be brought before the assembled community, which is the church. And if the sinner refuses to attend to the correction of the church, he is to be expelled from the community. Then in the next verse, in Matthew 18, verse 18, Jesus goes on to say that, and I quote, Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Unquote. And essentially, the binding and losing means that the church's judgment will be ratified in heaven, i.e. by God. Here, in the same verse, Jesus is entrusting the authority to bind and lose to the church through the ministry of the apostles. So Jesus gives the authority to bind and lose not only to Peter, but also to the church through the ministry of the apostles. Now, another example of how the authority of the church established by Jesus was practiced in the early Christian community can be found from Scripture in Acts chapter 15, where the Council of Jerusalem took place to decide whether the Gentiles need to be circumcised in order to be saved. If you're not familiar with the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 15, I would highly recommend that you read it in its entirety. It is quite fascinating. Pay attention to the authority of the church as established by Jesus in action in the early Christian community. Okay, so far, what I've done is to establish the truth and authority as established by Jesus himself. Now, why is this relevant? Well, if we were to be bearers of God's truth as prophets, we need to know what is truth and the authority that safeguards the fullness of this truth. 
This is precisely the reason you hear me quoting from the Catechism of the Catholic Church from time to time together with the scriptures and commentaries from saints, popes, and the Bible scholars so that you know the information you are receiving from the Setting Apart podcast is sound and it is based on solid foundation as established by Jesus, not men. This is important to know. This is so important because by definition, a prophet is one who speaks on God's behalf. That means speaking God's word, bearing witness to God's plan of salvation. It is never about our man-made self-proclamation. And since I am no Bible scholar, nor am I a trained theologian, I rely on the authority of the Magisterium Church on her doctrinal teachings to reveal the fullness of God's truth to everyone. This is not to say that we cannot have different reflections, however. We can and we do, simply because our lived experiences are different from one another. Clearly, we often end up with different reflections even from reading the same scripture passage. But the message from the passage is important. It has to be interpreted in the correct context. And that's where the authority of the Magisterium Church comes in. And this, by the way, has been the modus operandi for the first 1500 years until a German Catholic priest, Martin Luther, protested against some of the Catholic doctrines and started the Reformation movement. This movement led to an eventual split from the Catholic Church in the 16th century, hence the name Protestants, since they protested, right? And as a result of the split, the Protestants removed seven books from the Old Testament in the Bible, which is unfortunate. And since then, many men also established their own churches, so to speak, due to doctrinal differences. And that's why there are reportedly more than 30,000 Christian denominations in the United States alone. Now imagine 30,000 denominations, each preaching what they think is the correct Christian doctrine. In my opinion, this is the danger when you don't have a universal authority. Anyone can pick up the Bible and says, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, and this is what I think the Bible is saying. Think about it. Can we have one God, but 30,000 different truths? What is truth? Clearly, if you want to find out more about the Reformation movement, I would encourage you to do so and follow the truth. But it is beyond the scope of this episode and I will leave it at that as it relates to the truth and authority. Secondly, let's move on and talk about our calling and mission. By virtue of our baptism, we are called to be a prophet. In the words of the first letter of Peter in chapter 3 verse 15, and I quote, Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Unquote. According to the Agape Bible study, this is one of the most frequently quoted verses from the letter. It eloquently states the mission of Christian witness that Peter urges the communities of the church to accept. 
That is, Christians must always be ready to give a defense or testimony of the gospel, which is their hope of salvation, even when confronted with persecution and suffering. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Not sometimes, but always. And the mission to proclaim is not limited to the conversion, but also includes the new evangelization. We can see that in the callings of different prophets from Scripture. For example, Jonah is the reluctant prophet called to convert the Assyrians in Nineveh. Assyrians were responsible for the complete destructions of the ten tribes of Israel in the northern kingdom. The prophet's teaching is a minimum message because he was reluctant. While it was the king of Nineveh who calls for the city capital's repentance and conversion after hearing Jonah's message from God. So although Jonah's preaching was minimal, through the grace of God, the whole of Nineveh repented. Like Jonah, some of us may be called to proclaim God's message for the conversion of others. And like Jonah, we too might be the reluctant party. But that doesn't matter. The key takeaway here is that we just need to do our part as we are called and let God do the heavy lifting. On the other hand, Ezekiel is called to speak to the house of Israel, not Gentiles, but his fellow Israelites who has abandoned God. So the house of Israel was the house of rebels. And according to Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 5, and I quote, And whether they listen or not, this set of rebels shall know there is a prophet among them. Unquote. Here, Ezekiel is called to speak to his Jewish kinsmen, who is the set of rebels who have abandoned God for other pagan gods. This can be likened to our Christian brothers and sisters who have rejected Christ and who have left the church. Like Ezekiel, we are called to be witness of God to them in the new evangelization. They are defiant and stubborn, certainly not a walk in a park to be their prophets. In addition, appointed by God as the watchman in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 to 21, we can see that the expectation of Ezekiel was set pretty high. And I quote, If you warn someone upright not to sin, and this person does not sin, such a one will live thanks to your warning, and you too will have saved your life. Conversely, if you fail to warn him not to sin, and he commits a sin, he will die for his sins, but you will be held responsible for his death. And if you say, I'm just a layman, I'm not sure if I can do this. Well, so is the prophet Amos. He is also a laity. In fact, he is a shepherd and looks after Sycamore. As a matter of fact, Amos was chased out by Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, a false prophet to go back to the land of Judah. We can see that in Amos chapter 7, verse 12. Well, that was what the prophets are called to do, to be God's messenger to others, and so shall you. Thirdly, we look to the call to be faithful. In the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and I quote, 
God has not called me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. I find clarity in the words of Saint Mother Teresa. They are simple, yet immensely comforting and motivating. We do our part and leave the rest to God. Our vision of success may be different from God's version. God is patient. We are not. If God has given up on me in my first 40 years of existence, I would not have become a Christian, period. And it is also a sound advice for us not to be hot-pressed for success on our prophetic mission, or we may come across as too aggressive in proselytizing, that is, with conversion as our only KPI or key performance index. And that would miss the mark, unfortunately. Ultimately, what we want is to draw others to God with a message from God so that they may be touched by the love of God just like we have. Remember, we are called not to be successful, but to be faithful. If it is God's will to let the house of Israel know that there is a prophet among them, as in the case of Ezekiel and the likes, then so be it. But if it is God's will for conversion, as in Jonah in Nineveh, then it will be done. Do not fall into the trappings of false prophecy. For it is written in Ezekiel chapter 13, false prophets will be condemned. False prophecy is proclaiming peace when there is no peace. False prophecy is telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. In our secular world, prosperity gospel is so powerful to preach. But is that the fullness of God's message, or is that a facet of our own man-made interpretation? False prophecy is to console people when they should be arousing them to life. False prophets tell people that they are fine when they are not. False prophets choose passages from Scripture out of context to tell people what they want to hear. False prophets speak from their own minds and not from the minds of God. And this is the challenge, really. It is so easy to say only things that people want to hear. Don't get me wrong. Of course, we have the positive and beautiful messages of God that we want to proclaim. God loves us unconditionally and He wants to reconcile us to Him eternally. Yes, that is all true. But He also needs us to cooperate and collaborate with Him, to love the Lord our God above all else, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus every day. Are we forgetting that? We want to convey the fullness of truth, not pick and choose the versions that we want to hear. A person is a prophet in the measure that he or she bears the truth of God. As it is written in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 27, Let anyone prepare to listen, listen. Let anyone who refuses, refuse for they are a tribe of rebels. A true prophet, as you can imagine, is not going to be very popular in the secular world because he or she bears the truth of God. And that is okay. 
God has not called me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. Faithful to Him, faithful to the fullness of His truth. Now, connecting all the dots, a prophet is one who speaks God's word to others publicly for the sake of others. There are three main takeaways for this episode. First, truth and authority. A prophet is a bearer of God's message. To be a true prophet, we must know God's message. We begin with our pursuit of the fullness of God's truth and the authority that safeguards that truth. This is important. We cannot believe in the one true God, but have 30,000 different truths. There is only one true God and one universal truth. The Catholic or universal church is the one true church instituted by Jesus with his authority entrusted to St. Peter and his apostolic successors. With that in mind, a good place to start is to deepen your knowledge of the Catholic tradition. According to Bishop Robert Barron, we have an extremely smart, rich, and profound tradition, including the incomparable scriptures, treasures of theology, spirituality, art, architecture, literature, and the inspiring witness of the saints. Not to know it deprives one of spiritual joy, and perhaps even more regrettably, renders one incapable of explaining the Catholic faith to those who seek to understand it better. To be a bearer of our Christian faith to others, learn the tradition of our Catholic Christianity. Second, calling and mission. By virtue of our baptism, we are called to participate in the prophetic office of Jesus. In the words of first letter of Peter, always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. A prophet is one who speaks God's word to others publicly for the sake of others, be it for the conversion or for the new evangelization, or for both. I know what you might be thinking. Like Moses, you might be thinking, I am not good at public speaking. If you're shy, not to worry. Just by sharing podcasts like the Setting Apart podcast with your friends and families can be enormously powerful in sharing God's message. As you are aware, I adhere to the guidance and the authority of the Magisterium Church as best I can in proclaiming God's message. Or if you're thinking, hey, I am just a layman, dude. I am not cut out for this. Well, first of all, as we have seen, Amos the prophet is also a lady when he was called. He was, as a matter of fact, a shepherd and looked after sycamores. Secondly, if you are baptized, you are called to be a prophet. Our prophetic mission is to proclaim the message of God, to always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. And thirdly, call to be faithful. In the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and I quote, God has not called me to be successful. 
He called me to be faithful, unquote. Not only are we called to be faithful to God's plan, we are called to be faithful to His truth. First, as instruments of God, our role is to proclaim the Word of God to others. We need not be concerned about our conversion rate associated with that proclamation. We simply do our part and let God do the rest. Secondly, we must be faithful to God's truth. Do not fall into the trap of false prophets who speak from their minds and not from the minds of God. They choose to say what people want to hear as opposed to saying what they need to hear. In conclusion, I wish to share something I picked up from Bishop Robert Barron's podcast. According to Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, prophets are those who felt the feelings of God and spoke to others out of that experience. The prophet feels the feelings of God, God's joy, God's passion to set things right. He feels God's anger at injustice, and the prophet speaks out of that experience of feeling God's feelings. How does one come to have these feelings? Well, there's only one way, and that is through prayer, through a deep attention to God. Looking ahead in the next episode, we shall turn to the kingly office of Jesus. Until then, I invite you to get to know Jesus more deeply and attentively today. Pick up a Bible and see what he's got to say. Thank you for listening to the Setting Apart podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and get notified so you won't miss any new episodes. And please feel free to give me your ratings and reviews so that others may get to listen as well. Thank you and God bless.